Welcome to another episode of the Emulsion Podcast, a show for chefs who want to think better, increase their performance, and believe that it's possible to take lessons from what others have learned. I am your host, Justin Kana, and I'd love to continue the conversation with you from this episode on my online circle community. There you can share your two cents and learn about supporting the show on justinkana.com support. For your convenience, it's also linked up in the description of your podcast player. Let's get into the show. What is up, folks? Welcome back to the Emulsion Podcast. My guest today is Sauri Kawano from Corin. She's honestly one of the kindest and sweetest human beings on the planet, and it has been a joy to be able to get to know her and actually record a conversation with her today. We're, of course, going to talk about the upcoming anniversary, the 40th anniversary that Corin is about to celebrate next year, but also her history as an entrepreneur was fascinating to hear about. And then, of course, one of the upcoming partnerships that I think not just a nod towards her experience in her history, but she's partnering with creators now, just like me, and that's one of the most exciting things, like culinary school Justin would have told you you were crazy to to say that that was actually happening, but it is. And so I'm excited that the partnership between myself and Corin, where I can recommend things, you folks can buy them at no extra charge, but then you're able to support me through an affiliate program is now live. And so that link is, of course, in the description of this podcast. And it's going to be something that you're going to start to see as I start to work more closely with Corin in a lot of gear videos that I know that all of you know and love. This conversation was not only inspiring because Corin is such a pivotal business, I would say, in this industry, and especially for chefs in New York and for chefs based in the U.S. to get high-quality, consistent production knives from Japan— but it's also my I'm the the son of an immigrant as well. And so to hear the story of the hustle and the grind and the sweat that was put into a business like that that has become such a staple, it was really, really special. And so I really, really hope you enjoy this conversation. Please follow Corin on all platforms that are obviously linked linked in the description. And I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk and ask you all of these questions. It's really an honor to be here at the same time. Thank you very much for coming here to Corinne. I'm very excited to uh, to be with you. Yeah. So I think that we were talking before the mics turned on that this mm-hmm. ultimately is like a pilgrimage for chefs to come here yeah. and not just look at the knives, but potentially buy one of the most high-end pieces in their collection. At least that's how I felt. So, yes. so, so what does that mean to you? How does that feel? How has that evolved over the years of owning this business? Um, beginning, I thought about uh, knives to open the many doors to Western chef's world. And then I wanted to show the beautiful knives didn't mean I want to sell. I just want to show because uh, it's so beautiful. And uh, the craftsman's the passion is in there. They make uh, with their soul. And uh, if they see, the American uh, chefs uh, see it, I thought they feel it. Uh, even though it's not for everyday use. But amazingly, uh, uh, people love it. And then time to time, they, they buy. Yeah. It's such a different feeling picking up, because this was also a different shopping experience, like being in the showroom and you guys bring out the knives and you have them on these pads and you let people like really feel them and touch them and 
it's so different from buying something online, you know, where like you can't do that, which was like, mm -hmm. that was a real eye-opening experience for me early on coming here to, to shop, which was really, really interesting. Has that always been the vision of this where chefs can come and, and try things? Or did you hear early feedback of chefs saying, I want to feel the knives, I want to try them. That was always what you wanted to do? Uh, yeah, at the beginning, uh, there's an, not like this store uh, existing. And uh, the Japanese knives looks like uh, Western style, uh, Western knives, but it's a very different, different feeling, different weight, and different uh, uh, shape when you cut. So you have to have it. You have to feel it. You have to uh, have like a comfortable feeling. And then even like a, uh, within so many. Uh, so many Japanese Western style knives until you feel, ah, this is it. This is my favorite fit to my hand. You need a time to, uh, uh, to experience. And I think what was so special about shopping here early for me too is there's an educational element with different steel makeups that a lot of Western style knives maybe don't talk about. Like they, they, they just say, oh, well, this is our one chef knife that we offer. But as you can see around here, there's like so many different shapes and different brands have different lines of knives with different use cases. And, and that's what I think is special about Japanese makers. But you guys have been so good at helping to educate us chefs about this is why you this is what you have to know about this type of steel. And when a knife is this hard, this is what you need to keep in mind. And I always tell the story on the channel about like, I learned how to sharpen from standing there and watching sharpening happen. Mm -hmm. And you guys would have the videos playing over there of sharpening and I would just come to the shop and stand here and watch mm -hmm. things happening because it was, there's an educational element. So um, when you guys are thinking about educating chefs that's super important how do you how do you navigate that yes yeah I had a no choice mm. like at the beginning when I started this um, offering Japanese uh, Western style knives to to American chefs uh, it was in 1990 wow 1990 <laughs> 31 years ago I wasn't ago. born yet <laughs> 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 and, and uh, at the beginning I started giving away to um, the Western chefs I know, yeah. and uh, everyone was very happy. So I thought, mm, it can be good. Then uh, when I started setting, everyone complains, ah, this is bad uh, because it's so easily shipping and, and uh, it's defective. It's rust so quickly. Mm, I need uh, education. I need to educate the American chefs. Looks same, but it's very different. It's lighter, sharper, but uh, uh, why lighter? Because the blade is so thin, and, uh, and also Japanese knives are very, like metal is very hard. So if you don't have a very good uh, arm control, it will chip even though you don't cut any, anything hard one. So, but no one trusts the coring. No one knows about the coring. So I thought maybe the education is the key to to uh, um, introduce, and then um, I didn't have a power. That's why I asked Chef John George or uh, Chef Bure, uh, 
uh, who loves Japanese culture, Japanese knives, and and the Chef John George's comment back then, 1991、ってカタログ、あ、ヒセ、ジャパニーズナイフスはそうデリケートで、ベリーディフィカルトトゥユースバトワンスユーマスターハウトユースアジャパニーズナイフスヒスライクアフェラーリーザジョイオブユー
uh, traditional lives, and the second, next generation don't want to do it. And uh, it's not about money for them, uh, for the next generation sons, how they can decide, oh, I want to take, like, uh, carry on father's or grandfather's uh, uh, traditional uh, knife crafting skills. It's, of course, um, uh, pride. Uh, if they see all the overseas customers adore and uh, appreciate the beauty of the handcrafted knives and uh, enjoy using it and uh, uh, mix uh, American or overseas uh, chef's work uh, would be better or uh, this knife can help their like, everyday life more enjoyable at the work. That is uh, the motivation for, for them. So that's why uh, it is very important to bring the chef to Japan, show the um, uh, knife crafting, because not only chefs are very like, uh, touched, but also the craftsmen are very happy seeing the chefs come from overseas. This is something really unbelievable experience for them. So uh, 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 introducing the real American chefs uh, to them in person is really the best way. But the second best is uh, uh, through, uh, through the words and the pictures and the videos. And so. Well, I think what's, so what's missing potentially from mm. American makers mm. or Chinese makers or wherever you, you, you want to say that I think is so interesting and long-lasting about Japan mm -hmm. is that you have this culture of masters that cook masters that make knives, masters that sharpen knives, masters that make handles for mm -hmm. knives. Like there's just like these specialties across the board and you guys continuing to highlight that is like, that's how it continues generation after generation after generation. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Like um, uh, Japan is the, the, uh, the maybe number one country who has uh, over 100 years old uh, businesses or craftsmanship. Like uh, Kyoto's very small uh, stores, over 150 years, over 390 years of uh, restaurants. And because um, they keep their like a family tradition. And it's like it, it continues to, the, the job opportunities continue and the, the trajectory of making a career exists yes. in, in that system. So that's, that's yes. super important. Speak, speaking a little bit about pride, I can only imagine you feel a lot of pride coming up on 40 years of this business next year. Because the story goes, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were a waitress and you saved $2,000 in tip money. Yes. And then you used that to buy inventory for this shop. Yes. So yes. can you tell a little bit about that story? Maybe some details that you, you don't get shared all that often because we have we have time to get into the funny details if you have. So before yeah. I came here, I was a school teacher for two years, but uh, since I was a little, my dream was uh, going to overseas 
to introduce Japanese culture, kimono wearing, uh, flower arrangement, and tea ceremony. But uh, as soon as I came here, it was, uh, I was uh, uh, 25. I realized no one is interested in, in these things. Then my life was started in a very hard way. And uh, just uh, make living was already very hard here. And uh, then uh, after three and a half years of uh, staying here, I learned American culture, and I didn't speak English much, so I learned the minimum uh, useful English, and I uh, adapted this culture, and I just I adjusted because culture is so different. Then I thought about what can I do? I don't want to go back to Japan, but uh, still waitress, so okay, maybe I know about the Japanese restaurants. So, but I cannot open the Japanese restaurant. I'm not the cook, I'm, I don't have a management skill. I don't have a money, hey, but uh, I'm young and healthy. <laughs> and I know about the Japanese restaurants, um, like uh, how, how they are operating. And uh, oh, if uh, I sell something to Japanese restaurant, I don't have to speak English. Oh, fascinating. So, so I want to minimize my weakness. And then I just want to focus my strengths. My strengths, young and healthy. And I know about the Japanese restaurant. And then I targeted the Japanese restaurant. And then I collected beautiful uh, porcelain since I was small. Right. So I called the uh, neighbor. I called the uncle, but then not, not relative, relative, but then uh, next door. Right. Uh, uncle, I want to sell Japanese dishes to American market. <laughs> then I like uh, okay. <laughs> then uh, 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 they gave me the catalog, but there was a wrong catalog. There was a household uh, oh. uh, household cat catalog, but I didn't know the difference between uh, restaurant use or household. Uh, but I sent, I saved. Uh, two thousand dollars by the uh, from that tipping, yeah. and then sent two thousand dollars, and I, I got uh, five cartons, and I didn't know how to uh, uh, declare the product or anything. I thought like a postman will deliver, <laughs> like a regular mail. like a normal package. <laughs> so, so mm -hmm. you were saying you thought that they would just arrive with like a normal package? Yes. Yeah. But then, like uh, um, this neighbor's export manager came right. that time uh, in a good timing. He said, "Sorry, what about your package?" So I'm, I said, "I'm waiting." Oh, you have to, you have to have a customer house broker. You have to do all these things. Eh? I didn't wow. know, but I didn't know anything about. Uh, so it was uh, like a life learning journey. Sure. Uh, which started from that point, and um, uh, it was really great experience. I didn't have money. I didn't have to make a very big mistake. So <laughs> those are the best lessons. Yes, right? and then I went very slow, very slowly, like a toddler is walking very slow, crawling first. <laughs> so. Do you remember what those first hires that you made? Because, like, obviously, you're saying you grew slowly, slowly, slowly. Yes. yes. Who, you you were obviously thinking about the, expanding inventory. Like the past one year, yeah. I still worked as a waitress wow. because I couldn't 
uh, I couldn't use this seed money and I have to still uh, support uh, myself uh, by working. So uh, first one year was very good, like a uh, um, rehearsal time. And then after one year, slowly, like a restaurant owner said, uh, you have something you really want to do so you can, like, uh, uh, you can leave the restaurant because I felt uh, he, he hired me and uh, he uh, gave me a lot of advices because uh, he was the uh, Japanese restaurant's pioneer. So when I uh, told him I want to start selling the Japanese dishes, he encouraged me, right? you can do it. Um, so uh, I didn't want to quit so soon, but he told me, you did enough. So I worked at the Japanese restaurant for four years, seven months. Whoa. At the one restaurant, yeah. first and the last. Wow. And then he became my first customer. Amazing. <laughs> and he bought like 1,200 teacups. And I couldn't believe it. And he never uh, need that much uh, uh, many teacups. It was a 120 capacity right, restaurant. Right, right. 1,200 pieces of uh, Teacups are very big support for me, like uh, encouragement. That's so incredible. I never forget. Yeah. What was the Japanese restaurant scene like in New York back then? Back then, yeah. Uh, the uh, assorted sushi for regular was three dollar fifty cents, <laughs> and the second grade was uh, five dollars. Wow. And the, the best sushi assortment. Uh, one hour of uh, tekamaki and uh, eight pieces of nigiri. The best one was six dollars oh in goodness. 1979. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, no, 1978. Sure, sure. Mm. So, how do you stay connected to Japan now? Do you like to do certain the boss just uh, visiting the uh, makers. We have uh, uh, 23 uh, active makers plus like a time to time ordering. So all together over 50 makers to work with. So I am going like going back to Japan constantly, but uh, I cannot visit everyone. So always like uh, sending emails, and we carry um, around the three thousand products. But uh, all the product I selected, and also I am making all the purchase orders. So if uh, nothing is uh, um, like uh, uh, going on, I just keep quiet. If it doesn't come like uh, well, then I call. <laughs> I call line. Uh, when I started, one minute telephone call was uh, uh, three dollars, uh, three twenty-five. Calling from Japan to U.S. was seven dollars. So a minute. A minute. Wow. I couldn't. I couldn't call, and then they couldn't call. Sure. And back then, maybe I didn't have that many. Uh, 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 distributors right. uh, or the makers in Japan, mm -hmm. but uh, um, uh, we are like a friend because since uh, I started, uh, they've been really supporting me or like uh, giving me the good product. And 9-11 uh, time, I called everyone, I cannot pay. And they 
they all all of them said no problem we wow. will i will wait for you until you recover because uh, this area uh, became a frozen zone for three months, so we couldn't do anything for three months. But uh, did you feel the same when, with the pandemic? Pandemic was um, uh, not so hard because uh, you guys still had online. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had we had a online, and also I had a many obstacles like uh, at the beginning, uh, uh, Garver. And after Garfield's uh, um, very uh, serious recession, it was in 1991 January. Yep. The war ended. War was ended in March. It was only a very short war, but after that, very long recession. So 1991 and the 2001, 911, uh, 2008, the Riemann shock, and uh, now pandemic. And then this time, I thought, ooh, uh, I thought my age uh, is uh, I can be retired. Mm, so I was a little bit relaxed and uh, it was uh, very peaceful and the Riemann shock wasn't so hard uh, mentally. But then uh, this uh, COVID was happened. Then I learned, oh, uh, it's always uh, like one after the other, right. always, never ending. Seven to 10 year cycle, something is coming like a hurricane. That's so important because it's true. Like in the, in the 40 year lifespan of a business, what, you think it's gonna be easy? No, it can't be easy. Um, cannot be, maybe I cannot say easy, yeah. but I never thought it's so hard. Like, uh, I was so busy focusing right. to solve the problem. Right, right, right. So, uh, uh, I had uh, no time to think about, oh, too much or too hard. But uh, thinking back now, for past uh, for 40 years or 43 years in New York life, I thought it's uh, all very necessary challenges. Like, uh, every challenge, uh, I experience, I have to come up with a solution. And then every time I get a little bit better, a little bit smarter, and a little bit more like a capable to uh, deal with the challenges. So uh, this is a very necessary uh, challenges. And finally, this time, no problem, really mentally. The business-wise, uh, the restaurants and the hotels are locked down. So business-wise, uh, first a couple months of no business, but like um, um, I felt like who ah, came again. Okay, ah, you should be able. To, I should be able to uh, do something, and uh, this might be a good opportunity to uh, think about everything as uh, like a like a, uh, a white. Uh, canvas. Yeah. I Wiped should, clean. Yes. Yeah. Fresh start. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, from this experience, I like uh, increase much more appreciation to our customers because uh, uh, they they have been supporting us. That's why I could continue 40 years. And and this I thought. I knew it, and I was always very like uh, grateful. But uh, this time, pandemic, really, I reconfirmed why I can be still here. It's 
It's because of the customers. That's so inspiring <laughs> that you've <laughs> continued to think about it like that. Because a lot of, man, the every time there's a big global catastrophe, businesses fail and people buckle for reasons that are sometimes not their fault, but like the way that you think about just, it's an obstacle. I need to get better. I will come out of the other side more capable. That's super inspiring. And I think I learned from the Japanese craftsmen and also chefs, because chefs are always ongoing. That's true. And no matter what happened at the kitchen. You got to make it happen. Yes, you got to make it happen. Right? So uh, in the dining room, in the stage, everyone is uh, enjoying. Even you forgot to order the fish. You have to come up with the solution. solution. <laughs> so, so I am in the right industry. And uh, I, um, I grew uh, in this uh, hospitality industry. And uh, one, uh, last thing I really want to say, when I started the, uh, this uh, uh, idea, I went to the Japanese bank, Sumitomo Bank at the One World Trade Center, because at uh, that time, New York Times said, oh, uh, Japan's Sumitomo Bank became world largest bank. I was a waitress, I was 28. And, uh, but when I want to do the business, I want to open an account at the world largest bank. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, uh, between lunch and dinner, break time, I went to One World Trade Center to open the account. I never knew they are trading bank. Sure. They don't have a retail, but I went there, 91st floor, and uh, uh, I, I told the receptionist, I want to open the account. <laughs> And uh, she said, okay. And then uh, she uh, uh, led me to the very nice conference room on the 91st floor. I saw a Statue of Liberty. Yeah. It was so beautiful. And then Mr. Hasegawa came. And then he's, uh, he was six years old. Uh, six years old, uh, older than me, I found out later. Wow. But, uh, that time, he looked so much older than me. I was 28, and, and then he started asking me so many like uh, weird questions, like, uh, Japanese men can do it. American men never do it. But he said, are you married? <laughs> what? Your husband? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what does he need to yeah, know yeah, yeah, if yeah. I'm married or not? And, uh, what kind of business? And, uh, wow. Uh, all kind of uh, like uh, silly questions, right. and then uh, biggest uh, question was, uh, oh, if yeah. your husband say, oh, let's go back to Japan, uh, you wanna uh, go back to Japan with your husband? I said, no, <laughs> even uh, even I'm divorced, I will stay here. I'm staying in New York. Yes, yeah. and then uh, even such a, a very tiny uh, business. If I continue 50 years, the business will have a, a good, like a, a good shape, and then uh, I will continue for 50 years. So nowadays, I'm turning to 40 years, and I thought, oh, <laughs> 80 percent uh, is done. Right. So 10 more years. Ah. Yes. Yeah, so I am very happy that I said that because. That memory stayed with me for 40 years. And 
when I was very discouraged and very sad and couldn't find a solution, I always thought about that word I committed for 50 years. If I give up now, who's going to trust me? I cannot give up. Once I give up, next time, if I want to do something, no, no one will give me the opportunity. No one will support me. No one believe in me. So uh, that was the biggest uh, uh, motivation. And 10 more years, I feel like I can do it. <laughs> so. the, the, the fascinating thing to me about that legacy and that, that tenure that you've had so far is that you guys were talking about chefs and partnering with chefs before it was standard industry practice. And, and, and now, even through the conversations that we've been having between all of us that are here now, you guys are looking towards working with chefs in even more close partnership capacity mm -hmm. with asking for recommendations like you've done in the past, but through being able to offer some pretty exciting partnerships with them. And that says something about you not being stuck in the old ways, being able to look forward and say, mm -hmm. what opportunities does this give to our business, being able to work with chefs in this way? Thank you so much mm -hmm. for asking me. I almost forgot about the very <laughs> important things. Uh, like uh, when I started Korean, the uh, 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 Japanese community here, or maybe in the state, was very closed and very small and very isolated. I see it. Uh, Japanese chefs and American chefs has no connections. So uh, not only introducing um, the Japanese product to American customers, I really hoped if uh, Japanese chefs and American chefs can uh, make a very good friendship, then the both sides uh, can learn a lot and uh, uh, can uh, uh, exchange the skills or techniques or uh, uh, Japanese-style sauce or anything. So that was a really big thing for me. That's why um, it took a long time, uh, but I started the Gohan Society in 2005. Uh, uh, Japanese chefs are very reserved compared to American chefs. So I thought uh, Japanese chefs can be a master chef to uh, offer uh, how to cut the Jap like uh, how to cut the fish in Japanese way or uh, uh, vegetable peeling or knife cutting uh, skills and then um, uh, whoever the interested the American chefs can attend and then once uh, there's a like a, a, a interactive. Uh, uh, experiences uh, happen. After that, American chefs are very like uh, outgoing and uh, uh, expressive. So they visit the master chef's restaurant to ask more. Right. So I was so happy to see it. Yeah. And the uh, uh, chef's night out is the same. Yeah. Many, Such a many, good party. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, both chefs are coming and uh, mingling and drinking, eating together. And always I want to introduce the Japanese ingredients and, and uh, the, uh, the food. I ask the Japanese chefs uh, to volunteer. And, uh, when, 
when you go back to Japan and you can pick your city, Tokyo, Kyoto, Osaka, any of the other cities, what's the first thing you eat when you get back? Kanazawa. Uh-huh. Yeah, Kanazawa city, the Japan's most, I think, most traditional, keeping the tradition, uh, traditional craft and uh, uh, cuisine and a uh, beautiful and a uh, castle. So that's why Gohan Society's uh, scholarship programs, we are always uh, bringing the chefs to Kanazawa. Right. And then after that, um, to Tokyo or Kyoto or Osaka for knife crafting, but uh, uh, Kanazawa is the best place for me. So when you go back to Kanazawa, mm. is there something, is there a food that you crave that you want to eat when you're there? You're like, mm. I need to have this when I go back. Mm. Mm. Great seafood. Served how? Yeah. Just as a sashimi, um, as a nigiri, how do you like to eat it? Uh, all kinds. Just uh, like a uh, grill. Uh, like a, if you have a very good uh, fish, you don't need uh, anything. It's yep. just a uh, grill lightly with a binchotan charcoal. <sighs> yeah, simple. Simple, simple. but special. Mm. And yeah. uh, they have a very good uh, fish market there. Right, uh, right. Uh, so... Is there anything that you, you mentioned what the next, you're excited about the next 10 years for Corin. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're capable and you're ready to do it. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you have your sights set on that you're like, I'm very excited to do this in the next 10 years of Corin? Um, I like to know more about the, um, uh, the Japanese uh, traditional uh, utensils that the Japanese chefs in Japan has been using it and then uh, I I've been trying to do but I like to do more because uh, uh, 10 years is uh, my goal but I never know I'm not a robot so tomorrow's I <laughs> tomorrow's That's health right. condition or life I never know so I uh, uh, I work I will work very hard to introduce the like a Japanese craftsman's word and passion uh, to American chefs, and and I will try to uh, uh, get more young uh, younger people uh, to do more uh, better than me after I'm gone. If still uh, the same passion people can continue this, I'd be really very like, uh, happy. You mentioned the next generation of chefs. Mm. I always like to ask my guests, what do you think chefs can be doing better to help the next generation, to teach them? Mm. Have you seen anything that you're like, I think chefs should be doing more of that? Yeah, I think um, uh, how you can work very hard when you understand uh, the importance of hard work, uh, importance of uh, not never giving up, patience. Uh, if um, uh, uh, like older generations chef can teach the benefit of being patient and hard work, then uh, younger generation chef can uh, stay, uh, stay this and I think uh, uh, talent is one thing but the most talent 
talented thing is patience and uh, hard work. If you continue uh, doing this until you achieve, the, if you continue until you achieve, everyone can achieve. That's how I thought about uh, when I started calling. Uh, if you, if I'm not rash, if I can be patient, if uh, I don't set all like uh, when I should be this much or that much, I, I just uh, 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 continue to uh, work hard until uh, I feel I did it. So uh, then now. I feel like uh, maybe 50%, so I want to really final final 10 years, if I can have a final 10 years, I really want to uh, try my very best. I can uh, do more. And I think I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, I think I speak for a lot of chefs when I say thank you to you and to this space. and for everything that you do for the industry, not just education-wise, but highlighting chefs and helping us find the right knife to work with every single day, because we really do spend hours and hours and hours with your tools. Like, I have knives that I bought here that are mm. coming up on 10, 11, 12 years old, and that's yes. really, really special. So yeah. thank you not just for the time today, but for everything that you do um, and allowing me to host us here and to, this is unreal for me, so, so thank you. But my, my last question was going to be, is there a knife as you look around us that might be, have a special story or it's one of your favorites that's in the shop right now or it has a special connection to a maker? Like if you look around, is there a special knife that you're like, that's, there's a cool story there? Yes, I have one. Maybe, uh, uh, um, after mm -hmm. this uh, interview, I'd like to show you Please. so you can take a picture because uh, this is uh, by uh, uh, Keishiro Doi, the blacksmith. He already passed away in 2017 wow. uh, uh, when he was 90 and he worked until 85. His uh, life was a uh, uh, I want to make it better than yesterday. That's why I was so inspired. I want to do the same. And uh, uh, I have uh, like a final special limited edition, 001. I found it because uh, like a, a former uh, Chiharu who's, uh, who was a knife sharpener and he passed away in 2018. He hid it and I found it. <laughs> What a find. <laughs> That's amazing. It was in the cabinet, and I found it. And then I remembered uh, what uh, 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 Keijiro Doi said. Uh, his knife was very special and beautiful, but uh, he wanted to let uh, uh, chefs use it, not just uh, collect and uh, display as a collection. So when I found it, I didn't want to sell, but at the same time, where is the best place for this knife? At the chef's place. Right. So, uh, I we are going to introduce online. Wow. When it's when it's, when it's ready. Time. Wow! Wow! Yeah, wow! Yeah. Okay. Mm. So I'm very excited to see that knife. Mm -hmm. I think what I will do is 
um, for people watching, we might put it on the community page as yes. a su supplemental video, mm -hmm. uh, as a fun supplement to this episode, and links for that will be down in the description yes. um, for everybody. But um, thank you again. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to touch on? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, that's everything I wanted to ask. So just thank you again for your um, time. Thank you very much again, and uh, I am so grateful to have this opportunity because uh, I am very, very deeply appreciated, and uh, I feel like uh, I found my life in the States, and by doing this, my life became so much more meaningful. So, thank Congratulations you for 40 years. Thank you so much. What's up? Justin here again. Because, I mean, if you're still listening, you didn't not like this episode, right? And if that's the case, I'd like to think that you'd get value from the other work that I share here online. It's all focused on helping chefs and hospitality professionals perform better. If you don't have a lot of time, the best place to start is with the email newsletter that I write every single week called the 80-20 Edge. That's where I share knowledge on sharpening your skills, asymmetric upside, and exploring the industry beyond the status quo. And I say it saves time because I include all of the content that I publish that week all in one place as kind of a weekly digest of sorts. Next up, you should check out my YouTube channel for gear reviews, clips from podcasts just like this one, and documented experiences from some of the best restaurants in the world. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about my intense cohort-based professional development focused course, get coaching from me to help you make your next move, or just support the show, you can check out justinconnacom support. And if you do support this show already, that's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Finally, it really does help to share a review of this show on Apple Podcasts to help the podcast universe know that people like us like shows like this. And until the next episode, my name is Justin Kana, and I hope you have a good one.